Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Luke's English Podcast is made possible thanks to sponsorship. Uh, my sponsor for this episode is Spoken, and what they offer to you is basically English lessons through messaging platforms on your phone, like WhatsApp or WeChat or Facebook Messenger and lots of other different platforms too. With Spoken, what happens is that you're connected to a native English-speaking coach and they send you lesson tasks into your phone. You can take lessons anytime you want and those lessons will focus on the English that you need. They're flexible and tailored. It's a bit like having an English teacher in your pocket. Okay. You should also know that Spoken are offering all of you two free lessons and then 20% off all of their courses. Two free lessons, 20% off everything. To get those lessons and that discount, go to getspoken.com slash L-E-P. Get spoken, right? You get, you see, get it. You have to get it. G-E-T-S-P-O-K-E-N, getspoken.com slash L-E-P. Or... What's that? That's right. Click a spoken logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Right, I should start this episode, shouldn't I? That's what normally happens at this point. You've probably heard the jingle. And then uh, at the end, at the end, and then what normally happens is that I start talking and I probably would say something like, hello everyone, welcome to the podcast, how are you doing, I hope you're doing all right, or something along those lines. Um, would you like me to do that? Shall I do that? Well, I guess I've already done, I just, I just said it, didn't I, just now. And we're in now, we've started, We've we're rolling, so there's no... Going back now, um, we're already we're already moving. It's a bit like when you're in a roller. Co- it's not like a roller coaster. This a roller coaster. You know, you know what a roller coaster is. Like in a fairground, you go up and up and up and up and up, and then you go down. It's like an amazing danger train. Uh, danger train. Why not? They should change roller coasters names and call them danger trains. Now, I think that that would be good. Not that there's a lot of danger in them, um, because they're, apparently they're quite safe, aren't they, roller coasters? Maybe what we could do, right, and I want everyone to write this down, what we need to do is create a new kind of train. Okay, everybody? You're listening to this? We need to create a new type of train, and what it is, is it's a, combina- a combination, it's a cross between and a combination of a roller coaster and a train. Okay. So are you fed up, ladies and gentlemen, are you fed up with those boring train journeys? Are you fed up with those miserable commutes from your home to work and back again? Are you, uh, have you had enough of sitting on public transport, 
while the train creeps forward slowly and people stand around and it's just boring? Of course you are. Do you like excitement? Do you like enjoyment? Do you like the thrill of a high-speed journey combined with um, the sensation of uh, G-force acting upon your body? Of course you do. Would you like to get to work more quickly? Yes. Good. Then the danger train is for you. What do you think? It could be a new idea that we cross the roller coaster from the theme park with the train from just everywhere from the station. And we can we turn it into a new thing called a danger train. And what happens is the train goes much faster than normal. I mean, like too fast. So fast that it's, you know, genuinely um, dangerous. It could just come off the tracks or something. And we install loop the loops into the track and we install uh, twists and turns and maybe bits where the train goes up and then comes flying back down. It goes upside down. It goes round and round. It goes inside out as well. I don't know how that's possible. (laughs) It actually turns itself inside out. So next thing, you know, one minute you're sitting inside the train, listening to Luke's English podcast. Next thing, the train's gone inside out. You are exposed on the outside. The wind flying through your hair. The danger train. It's just an idea, just a thought, ladies and gents. I don't know how I came across, how I came into that. Oh yeah, that's it. I was saying that... We've started now. There's no turning back. The podcast has actually started, so I had to keep going. It's a bit like a roller coaster where you get into the roller coaster. The the things come down, you know, the, um, what do you call it? Like the barriers come down, the, the supports come down to fix you into place so you can't fall out. And then the, the thing starts moving, click, 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 click up the, uh, up the track. I'm sure I talked about roller coasters recently didn't I? Anyway, click, 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 you're up, you're going. And then if you if you at that point think, oh, actually, no, I'd, I'd, I'd rather not do this. I'd, I think I'd rather just go and have a little lie down and a cup of tea, please. No, well then, sorry, too late. It's already started. The wheels are moving. Just like this episode of the podcast, we've already started. It started in a slightly strange way, uh, but it has started nonetheless. And, um, and so, yeah, this isn't really like a roller coaster because it's not quite as uh, th- as thrilling. Uh, or maybe it is. I don't know. I can't speak for your experience. Maybe for you, this is thrilling and exciting. Or maybe it's it's far more relaxing. For me, this is more like the lying down with a nice cup of tea kind of experience rather than the kind of <clears throat> wind flying through your hair, maybe someone vomiting. You know, it's more like the, the calm experience than the crazy, exciting experience. Um, but... Let me introduce this episode properly. I should probably uh, hurry up because I think there's I've got I've got quite a lot to get through in this episode. So, all right, Luke, enough messing around. Let's get down to business here. Okay, then. So, this episode is um, actually this one should be really good for language learners, and you are language learners, aren't you? I, uh, you're learning English. This is Luke's English Podcast, a podcast for people who are learning English. So this has got some language learning stuff in it. It's also got some stuff about adapting to new cultures as well, which um, should be useful for many of you because, you know, you're the sorts of people who are learning a new language or at least trying to master English and you might be people who deal with cross-cultural situations. Might Maybe you travel abroad or you've experienced or you will experience, um, you've experienced 
or you will experience uh, living in a new country or something, this is for you, okay? And this one is actually a conversation with Ethan from Real Life English Global. Real Life English Global. Um, that is a website and also a podcast, the Real Life English Podcast. It's another podcast for learners of English. Um, in fact, you might already be aware of Ethan. You might already know the Real Life English Podcast um, and uh, the other guys who, who do that, including Justin and Chad and Ethan from Real Life English. A few weeks ago, I was featured in an episode of the Real Life English Podcast. I spoke to Ethan uh, and we talked about uh, humour and comedy and learning English, which seems to be my, it seems to be becoming, yes, that is grammar. It seems to be becoming my uh, specialist subject because whenever I'm interviewed on other people's podcasts, we always end up talking about that kind of thing, which is fine by me because that's one of my favourite subjects. So anyway, uh, you may have heard my uh, conversation with Ethan on his podcast uh, talking about humour and comedy. Um, If you haven't heard it, you can check it out on their website, uh, real, is it what, reallifeglobal.com? Or you can see it on my website as well in the episode archive. If you are a subscriber to the email list, then you will know about that episode already because you will have received an email that said something like, hey, I was on the Real Life English podcast and you can listen to it here. So some of you may have heard it, but a lot of you probably won't have even heard that. But just go to my website, look in the episode archive and you'll see uh, one of the um, one of the posts in there about uh, my conversation with Ethan on the Real Life English podcast. Um, now, um, but uh, so this one, so I thought I would um, invite Ethan onto my podcast because that's usually the way this works. Uh, you go on someone else's podcast and you invite them back on your podcast. It's kind of like a collaboration kind of thing. So I asked Ethan to be on uh, an episode of Luke's English Podcast and you're listening to it right now. Ethan is originally from Colorado in the United States, but he's lived in loads of countries around the world and has also learnt at least three languages to fluency, um, which is impressive. In this interview, I wanted to ask Ethan all about his background, like where he's from and the work that he does also on Real Life English with his partners, Chad and Justin. You may already be familiar with them. And also, um, since Ethan has lived in lots of places around the world, um, I wanted to know about his experience of adapting to new cultures and if he could give some advice to my listeners, that's you, about that. Okay, I also managed to pick Ethan's brains a bit about his personal methods for learning languages. Okay, so this is not this is not just an episode with a friendly chat between two English teachers. It's full of great first-hand advice about learning a language and how to adapt to living in a new culture. Now, we're going to start listening in just a moment to the conversation I had with Ethan, but I would just like you to listen out for certain things during the conversation. So I ask you to listen out for these things. Listen out for, by the way, to listen out for something is to kind of try to notice something, basically. You know, we say watch out, watch out for, you know, watch out for that bear. Oh, you should have watched out for the bear. It got him. Oh dear. Watch out for that. Watch out for that. Like, watch out for that. Watch out for that death train. What, What did I call it? Uh, death train 
No, danger train. That's the kind of thing that you would say when you're on a danger train. By the way, there's no such thing as a danger train. I just made it up. Maybe someone could make it. But anyway, watch out. You know, when you're on a danger train, that's the sort of thing that you would be saying. Like, watch out for that. Like a tree comes past. Anyway, you can also say, uh, listen out for something. That's where you try to notice something when you're listening to something. So, listen out for the language that Ethan uses to describe the part of Barcelona where he lives. Because he lives in Barcelona. So, listen out for specific language that he uses to describe the, the area that he lives in Barcelona. Watch out for the specific verb tenses that Ethan uses to talk about his background and his current situation. And here's a clue. When talking about his background, we're looking for narrative past tenses, you know, past simple, past continuous, past perfect. And for describing current situation, look out for present perfect simple, like I have done, I have lived. Or present perfect continuous, I've been living. Okay, so watch out for that stuff. And by the way, it's important to notice those things and to pay attention to that kind of language when you hear it and also to try to be able to use it yourselves uh, because it's important to be able to describe your background and then your current situation, all right? Uh, that's something that everyone should be able to do, you know, because there's always some situation where you have to describe your background and then describe your current situation, like, for example, a job interview or when you meet new people. It's, it's perhaps the most common thing that you have to explain about yourself in job interviews or just when you're telling people about yourself. We always have to tell that little story of what we're doing at the moment, how long we've been doing it, and then the backstory of things like where we come from, what we studied, our career path, the different stages of our lives. And you can listen to an example of this when Ethan does it in his conversation. And I'll I'll come back to this later after the conversation and just give you a little summary. Watch out for or listen out for language that we both use to describe the specific location of Ethan's hometown in Colorado, which again is more useful language. Everyone needs to be able to explain where they come from and where exactly that place is located. So watch out for specific phrases. Uh, for describing locations, little prepositions and stuff. Um, Listen out for language for describing what it's like to live and grow up in Colorado, including descriptions of the landscape, the lifestyle and the wildlife as well. Uh, Listen out for how Ethan quickly summarises the places where he's lived in his life and some of the things that he did in each place. He does it pretty quickly and efficiently. Watch out for it. And by the way, those countries that he's lived in are... Germany, Poland, Brazil, USA, Portugal, Thailand, and now Spain. Listen out for how Ethan describes his skills in different languages, uh, the way that Ethan tells an anecdote about an unnerving travelling experience that he had in Poland, which happened because he couldn't understand the local language, a little um, a sort of little story there with a moral about the importance of learning uh, other languages. Uh, Listen out for ways in which Ethan explains some of the cultural differences that he's experienced in different places and also the advice that he gives about adapting to a new culture. Uh, Listen out for how uh, Real Life Global can help you to learn English the real life way. And uh, you can find out more about that at reallifeglobal.com. And he recommends 
several episodes of his podcast, of their podcast, in our conversation. So watch out for those episode recommendations. And last but not least, or last but by no means least, uh, Ethan's experiences and tips for learning languages. It's really worth paying attention here because Ethan speaks a few languages and he's learnt them mostly on his own. So he's a successful independent language learner as well as being a language teacher. So he has some really good nuggets of wisdom, little bits of wisdom, nuggets of wisdom to share with you. And I'll sum up some of those points after the conversation. The main ones being specific language that you're going to hear, advice on how to adapt to a new culture and how to learn languages independently. Uh, I'll also do a little bit of language analysis too after this, just to highlight certain words and bits of grammar. Also, check out the page um, on the website for this episode to see a vocabulary list, summaries of Ethan's main points, and also for a quick language quiz, which you can use to test your memory of words and phrases that you will hear in this episode. There's so much for you to learn. And if you are on a train, I hope it's not turning inside out or, f- or flipping upside down or anything. I hope it's a fairly comfortable uh, journey and you can sit there in relative peace while you listen to my conversation with Ethan from Real Life English. How are you doing, Ethan? I'm doing awesome. Yeah? How about you? Very good, thanks. Where are you at this moment, Ethan? At this moment, yep. uh, I am sitting in my apartment in Barcelona. Okay, brilliant. Which which part of Barcelona are you in? I'm in a neighborhood called Poblano. It's it's a bit outside of the center. It's still downtown Barcelona, but um, near the beach, and it's kind of a it's an old industrial area that's not industrial anymore. But it's it's very cool because you know there's a lot of mix between kind of older buildings and newer apartments and uh most all of them around here are like refurbished but then you can see like some random smokestacks and stuff sticking up that sounds brilliant yeah. so you live near the beach i do i live i think just three blocks three blocks from the beach i tend to go running there oh yeah brilliant yeah so do you have a kind of a beach lifestyle or something i i don't have time to have a beach lifestyle <laughs> but <laughs> or i should say it's not like a big priority of mine right now yeah especially because the last couple of weeks, the weather hasn't really been beach appropriate. Uh-huh. We're just rolling into fall here. So, uh, but I do like, I enjoy, like I said, running by the beach, especially because, uh, I don't know if you've ever been in Barcelona, but the beach, the whole area around the beach is like very iconic from when they had the Olympics here in the nineties, they kind of built all this, these kind of like interesting architecture buildings. And just, uh, there's like this, very modernist like humongous whale sculpture made out of metal and stuff and it's just like you look down the beach it curves down and it ends in like a hotel that's in the shape of a big sail so it's just like every time i look at it i'm just astounded it's beautiful you know it's so different but it's it's very beautiful yeah wow that's amazing how long have you been in barcelona so i've just been i moved back here about uh probably already two months ago and I was living here uh, two times before, once for a year and a half, another time for just three months. And I've come back now, hopefully to stay Well, I'm here indefinitely. So hopefully for a couple of years. Yeah. At least. Where are you from exactly? I'm from Colorado in the United States. Oh, right. Cool. Where is that? Just in case people don't know. Yeah, I was going to I was going to ask you if you have any idea. <laughs> it's 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 below Canada and above Mexico. 
Um, that's that's exactly where it is between the Atlantic <laughs> and Pacific Oceans. Uh, exactly. Co- Colorado, yeah. Um, Colorado is like north of Arizona, or right? It's just above Ari- above Utah. Northeast. Northeast. East of Utah. East yeah. of Utah, above New Mexico. Above New Mexico. Above exactly. New Mexico. It's in that area called the Four Corners because they're all kind of like square-shaped states. I mean, Colorado is it's a rectangle, so. Uh, you know, there's this area where those four states come together called the Four Corners, which is actually probably just like a couple hours away from the town I grew up in. And you can go there and it's like a tourist trap now, but you go and you put your hand in the middle and you're in four states at once. I see. Right. I was actually in the States uh, this summer uh, for a holiday and we went traveling in Utah and Arizona. We didn't go to Colorado. Oh, wow. Sorry. Um, missed the best part. Yeah, we did. We did. We missed out, but um, yeah, we you know we did the tourist thing and we went to see the the canyons and the Grand Canyon and like uh, Monument Valley and, and all that stuff and oh, wow. yeah, oh, stunning, absolutely amazing. It is. It's like it's very especially coming from a European. Like if you've been anyone from Europe or if anyone's been in Europe, it's just like so different than anything you can really see here. So uh, it's almost like uh, it makes you feel like you're on another planet. Some of those areas. Oh yeah, definitely. Like we went to Antelope, uh, not Antelope Canyon, uh, Bryce Canyon. Have you been there? Bryce Canyon, yeah, yeah. That's a crazy, odd place. Okay, so what's Colorado? What's life in Colorado like? I mean, you you grew up there, then, did you? Exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, born and raised in Colorado. So I was actually like born at my house, which we don't live in, but we still own the house. Uh, and wait, you were then, you were born? You know, I, sorry, you were born in your house. Yeah, I was born at home. Is that how they so do that's it? That's like an odd, odd thing in the United States. Is like my mom had midwives. I was born, like at home in bed, not not uh, in a hospital. That's that's Fun not fact. That's not. Is that a Colorado thing or? No, no. That's like um, my mom did the hospital thing with my brother, and she didn't, and she wanted to do more of a natural thing with me. So okay. Uh, I guess I guess that's what that comes from. I see. And that's the town I lived in until. I was, I mean, the, the first time I moved away was when I was 17. I moved to Germany for six months to study abroad. Uh, and then again for college. But, you know, I spent a good probably 20 years or so in, in that town. It's called Durango, Durango, Colorado. So is that like a sort of a small town? It is. It's like a, it's kind of like a small old west town that now is very kind of touristic. And every time I go back there, it's this main street, you know, the one main street that's had kind of uh, these businesses all my life and like a lot of those have closed and now there's kind of like these trendy cocktail bars and very touristic things that come up and stuff. So it is interesting seeing that when you've lived in a place for like 20 years, how it kind of evolves. What was it like then sort of as a kid growing up in in, uh, this town in Colorado? So, I I mean, Colorado is wonderful. It's, It's spectacular. Anyone who, I mean, there's something I could say about it because just I think it's an interesting fun fact from American stereotypes is that it's the state with the least percentage of obesity. Oh, so that said, like we're very active. It's in the mountains. Pretty much everyone plays some sort of outdoor sport, whether it's running or hiking or mountain biking, skiing, snowboarding, because we have four seasons. So you have like hot summers, you have cold, snowy winters. So, I mean, the amazing thing about that is that we're so active. We're always outdoors. Um, there's really spectacular hikes you can do in the mountains to, you know, lakes and mountain peaks. And you can do something like um, trying to think in meters would be, you know, maybe 4,000 or 
or 5,000 meter peaks. Wow. The Rockies are quite high. So, uh, you know, I, I grew up doing all those kind of things very, very much outdoors. And so uh, it's, it's actually a wonderful place if, if anyone ever gets a chance to visit. It's just my town is also very wonderful if you ever get to visit. a very beautiful area, very cool town, very different from, like, Europe since you get that kind of, like, Old West feeling. But uh, I, the only criticism I give is that I lived there for 20 years, which is more than enough. <laughs> Uh, yeah you climbed the mountains you saw the rivers and stuff and uh so yeah okay do you get wildlife out there do you have bears in colorado we have yeah we have bears we have actually it's kind of funny my parents just sent me a picture today because there was a bear in the tree at my dad's office a bear in the tree yeah uh that was on my whatsapp this morning are they dangerous (laughs) like only these kind of notes like a brown bear a black bear and like really it would only be if there's like a baby and a mama you'd want to look out but there's grizzlies rarely if you're like up in the mountains i guess more in the north of the state Mm. i've heard that people see grizzlies i've never seen grizzly and they are dangerous uh and mountain lions they're they're also like they're kind of rare but they're also dangerous if you were by yourself and you encountered one it might not be a great end for you (laughs) (laughs) yeah you might get eaten alive by a huge cat yeah yeah but then we have you know like deer and elk and in the north of the state we also have moose and a lot of different kind of we'd say critters critters are like small animals Mm -hmm. so you've got all that kind of stuff lots of birds yeah fantastic do you ever miss it i mean uh you've been away since you were 20 years old so do you do you miss it at all i i go back to visit like usually at least once a year so i don't i miss my family but i don't actually tend to miss uh miss being there because i don't know it's it's like i said when you're there for 20 years and like you said you've hiked the mountains you've seen the rivers and stuff it's kind of nice to for a change be somewhere that's that's like by the beach and you know there's also mountains here and a lot of different kind of nature that you can go see and also just uh between america and europe there's a very different setup because europe i think is so much older and it's it's much smaller for the population so just like the kind of the way that when you drive from, let's say, from Barcelona to the French border, you're going to pretty much pass endless towns, maybe between some like agriculture and stuff. But in the U.S., especially the part I'm from, you can go you, you drive from city to city. It's like a couple hours and you just see like endless expanses of of maybe deserts or mountains or plains. Uh, so it's, it's just a very it, it's kind of a interesting life change in lifestyle when you move from a place like the u.s to a place like europe yeah okay how many different places have you lived in then uh that's a fun question so i'd have to think uh germany like i was saying when i was in high school i did six month exchange there and during that time i also got to live in poland you could call it living for two months uh two weeks yeah sorry two weeks with a family there uh so i got to experience a little bit of like polish lifestyle and then i lived in spain in mallorca for a year during college, which is when I fell in love with with this place, with uh, Spain and the culture and the people and everything. Uh, After that, after school, I moved to Brazil, which is, I went there, taught English, uh, and met my my business partners, Chad and Justin, Mm -hmm. and uh, started Real Life English, or I should say joined Real Life English, because they actually had started a few months before I moved there. And then um, after that, I moved, that's when I moved to Barcelona, then I moved to Chile for six months. We were in a program with the Real Life English in Chile. Whoa. And then uh, where was I after that? I was back in the U.S. for a little bit, then Portugal, 
and then uh, that was last year. I was in Portugal, then back in Brazil. Then I was in Thailand for two months this year, living yeah. in, in Thailand. And now finally, I've, I've moved back here. And after all that, you can imagine I'm a bit tired yeah. of uh, jumping around so much, living out of a backpack. So now I'm, I'm here to stay for a while. Okay. All right. So, um, wow, that's a lot of traveling experience that you've had there. <laughs> so you, I guess you speak Spanish then, right? Do you? I speak Spanish and Catalan, which are the two languages they speak here in Barcelona. I see. Any other languages? I speak, uh, so from living in Brazil, I speak Portuguese. And those are the three languages I speak the best. Spanish, probably followed by Catalan, followed by Portuguese. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, I speak a little bit of French, a little bit of German. My German, I've forgotten most of it because it was 10 years ago I lived there. I used to be fluent, but I just haven't practiced it much at all in 10 years. And as we say in English, if you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. So, uh, and I speak a little bit of Hebrew as well. I spent like maybe five or six months learning Hebrew. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm, hmm, I've got some questions about language learning. I've also got questions about living abroad and I've got just tons of questions and now I'm thinking which direction <laughs> which direction am I going to go language learning or or traveling and living abroad I'm going to stick with traveling and living abroad for a bit and I'll come back to the questions about l- learning language afterwards all right so wow you've lived That's in it. loads of cool places do you have any like particularly memorable moments from your travels tons of them I mean uh now it's a funny looking back on it but uh in the moment it was quite scary was Actually, like when I was going to Poland, I went to Poland by myself, actually went back there to visit the family I lived with and uh, spend New Year's there. And I was, I had a changeover, I was going by train and I had a changeover in Warsaw and I speak no Polish. I mean, maybe a couple words, mostly like curse words. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) the first words you learn, the rude words, the most important ones. The ones that stick out to you as people yelling a lot. Right, right. (laughs) And uh, and as I learned at that time in Warsaw, not a lot of people spoke English or German, which were the two languages I knew at that point. And so I missed my first train because they made an announcement. I, I couldn't find, figure out how to, where my train was leaving from, and no one could direct me to it. Even the I went to the tourism office. They didn't speak English. And the information, like tourism office, and it's like, okay, why? why? Uh, and then uh, I missed the first train. And then basically... They got me on like a new one, whatever, and they're like, okay, it's leaving at this time. You have to listen for the announcement. I was like, okay, I can't, I won't understand the announcement. And somehow I also missed the second train because I didn't hear the announcement. Uh, and then by that point, there were no more trains leaving for the night. And so I'm at like the tourism office and they're calling like my host sister, who was, who was supposed to meet me at the train station. And yeah. she's translating back and forth from Polish to English. And they got me a train in the morning, but they're like, you know, I was planning just that I'd have to sleep in the train station. And then I guess a little bit serendipitously, serendipitous yeah. is like a happy coincidence. Mm. Uh, a couple walks into the tourism or the information office, a Polish couple, and basically they're asking like, oh, what's going on and everything. And they speak, the, the husband spoke great English because I think his daughter was living in England or something like that. Uh-huh. And so they basically like, Hey, I have to go to. I have to catch the train in the morning. I can make sure you make your train and you can come home, uh, you know, with us and and stay at our house. And I was like, uh, and my host sister was like, yeah, you better you better just do that. That's probably your best option. I was like, okay, I'm just going home with a strange couple for me. Yeah, 
18 years old. That was quite uh, adventurous. And like, so before it you ended know, up, I was, sorry? I was going to say, before you know it, you're just in the car with these two people <laughs> you've never met before and you, they're driving you to some unknown location and you're thinking, oh God, I hope that they're normal. <laughs> Don't be serial killers. Don't be serial killers. Don't be serial killers. <laughs> exactly. This is like before, you know, smartphones or even like, I don't think I, I didn't even have a cell phone or anything like that. I don't think like, you know, I have no way of contacting anyone. If anything goes wrong, no one knows where I am. So, uh, that's always, always setting up for a great situation. And they were to, to, to be fair, they were extremely generous. Like they gave me a, a big plate of food when I got to their house and everything. And I couldn't really eat anything cause I was so, so, uh, shook up and nervous. Yeah. And yeah, I slept there and the man took me in the morning back to the train station and like actually watch me into my train so I wouldn't miss it and wow. everything was great and it's actually something uh, like I've had so many lessons like this that just when you're traveling you you kind of have to trust people because like in the, the great amount of cases people are extremely generous and helpful and and open and and it's just given me a very I think it's a lot of those kind of experiences have molded my view basically of you know humanity overall being good and you know if you're if you're willing to trust people and be open to possibilities yeah wow that's awesome and so having lived in different places and stuff do do you ever get that get those kind of culture shock experiences do you ever um struggle to adapt to to the new places that you've moved to so i don't i don't know for me i think i've always been kind of just like um never quite fit with like the United States with American culture. And so like, uh, you know, there's obviously there's a lot of things I grew up in and everything. So it is ultimately it's, it's my background, but it's always uh, in most, most cases it's, it's always been like very easy for me to adapt to new cultures. Like in Germany, pretty much right away, even though I, I took German for three years, it's kind of like a funny other story. And I got there and no one could understand a word I was saying because apparently teaching us German pronunciation wasn't important. So I, I had the vocabulary, but I didn't know how to say it. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, within a couple of weeks, I figured out the pronunciation and I could start conversing with people and everything. And I, I felt very at home. And the same when I came to Spain, fell in love with it here. Um, I think like the only difficulties maybe I've had were more like in Brazil, something. And this isn't the culture. It's just like the fact that it's a poor country and you have to adjust to the fact that in poor countries like that, uh, you can't go out alone at night with like valuables on you. You know, there's potential of being robbed. Um, and it's just, it's really, it's just a lifestyle change. You just adapt to that reality. And in the most cases, most people are, are usually fine once they do that. Yeah. Um, but obviously that's, that's a big lifestyle change when you're used to coming from a place like Colorado where you can go out at almost anywhere at like four in the morning by yourself and nothing's going to happen to you. Or even here in, in Barcelona, it's the same. You know, if, if unless you're in a couple kind of seedy parts of of the city, I see women walking around here in the middle of the night alone all the time. No worries. So that's very different. And um, I would also say in Thailand more recently, obviously because it's very different culture. Um, I didn't really learn too much of the language because I was only planning to be there for two months. So I really only learned very basic things like hello and uh how are you and you know those kind of things that you need just to not be a completely impolite foreigner yeah but it's it's very different like 
just the fact, you know, I'd go running in kind of the European short shorts, for example, and it's just like you get people staring at you because that's not how people dress there. Yeah, you've or, got to cover um, up cover up your legs, and I suppose. Or yeah, yeah, that's right. Because like in, 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 in <laughs> yeah, or not in, in your case, apparently <laughs> in, in the UK and in in England or you know many places like that in the West, it's quite normal to kind of go out with hardly any clothes on. You go running around and you've got like a vest on. You're showing your shoulders and your arms and your legs and stuff like that. But in some parts of the world, that's like really shocking. It would be like kind of yeah. running around naked or something. In you know. It's like almost like the equivalent of that. Um, yeah, even any- for Americans, it's scandalous. Like, because uh, really? I, I mean, I, I don't think I would ever do like a speedo, but I do have like the shorter cut bathing suit. Okay. And like, yeah. I had like a family reunion last year, and just like everyone was like shocked that like I wear those. But they're, they're they thought it was like interesting, but like we're not used to that. Like the short, short running shorts, the short bathing suit. Like everyone always wears stuff that covers their knees. You're talking about short running shorts or a short bathing suit. How short exactly, yeah. Ethan? Cause my, you know, <laughs> my, it, my listeners need to know they need to be, they need to be able to picture it. How short are the, are the running shorts, Ethan? <laughs> They're, uh, how could I say it? Maybe like a quarter way down my thigh. Quarter of the way down your thigh. Quarter way, yeah. That's not that short. Got to get the, them like the thighs tanned, right? Yeah, you got to expose the thighs to the sun. Exactly. You don't want that terrible tan line exactly. just above the knee. Uh, so just exactly. ha- just, just quarter, below it. In quarter case. of the way down the the thigh. Okay, that's quite low. My best guess. Especially if you sit down. Uh, yeah, that's where you have to be careful. Is like sitting down or like spreading your legs or anything like that. Like you got to kind of watch that i i have more since i've like transitioned to the more european lifestyle i have much more empathy for girls with skirts right because you know the the challenge of <laughs> uh, of of yeah of wearing the skirt exactly okay all right so now i think my <laughs> listeners understand now when you're talking about short shorts shorts that are yeah then they're they're called shorts but they're also short as well so they're more than just shorts they're short shorts so you shocked the the the, the thai people by running in short shorts um okay any do you have any tips actually having been to lots of different places have you got any tips for just sort of like arriving in a new culture and adapting well yeah so i mean obviously it depends how different it is but most likely anyone listening to this podcast if they go somewhere it's probably going to be an english-speaking country or country where they can speak english and like in general i'd say first of all like you need to go with a very open mind to try everything because the main thing that i see people doing wrong is that they for example a lot of uh brazilians go to like canada or the u.s a lot of spaniards go to england and they just like and in those places there's a lot of other brazilians there's a lot of other spaniards and they just like hang out with people from their own country so it's like they're not going with the intention of really uh getting integrated into that culture and that's always except for Thailand probably being being the only exception where I didn't make a true effort to do this yeah. everywhere else where I've lived. Like I've really pushed myself to, to like live like a local to try to make local friends, to try to understand the culture, to learn the language. Uh, you know, if it's, if it's another language. And I think that's a, one of the big mistakes I see people making is that they, a Spaniard going to England to just hang out with Spaniards and miss out on making British friends and getting to hang out with, Brits that are their age and seeing like what what is the lifestyle like for someone my age in that country so I think if you go with like a very open mind 
and you try everything, like I say, just say yes to like pretty much everything. That's kind of like a, you know, something that's different in the culture or whatever, then you're going to have a really memorable experiences and stuff. And some of it's going to be weird. Like you might end up eating pig heart accidentally, or you might, uh, (laughs) you might end up, uh, you know, getting lost in a train station or any sort of experience like this. But, yeah. you know, in the end, it's kind of most of the time it's going to work out okay. It's, it's going to be something that you kind of look at with fond or funny memories. I think um, one of the problems, though, that people come across is, let's say it's a Spanish person moving to London. One of the problems that that person might have um, is that they, they might realize, yeah, I've got to kind of live like the locals do. But then for a Spanish mm-hmm. person, living like the locals might be really hard because it would mean sort of drinking lots of beer before dinner <laughs> or eating dinner at <laughs> 6 p.m. And it's an English dinner. And then, you know, drinking all, all this beer and like living in a way that is difficult because it's different. That, I think, is a is a major problem for some people. They would go to a place and they think, okay, I've got to live like the locals do but then when it comes down to it they don't want to live like the locals do because it's not as good you know like the the local lifestyle to them is just not really not possible or not doable um Mm -hmm. i think that's a big barrier so i suppose it's like what you said you know you've just got to be open-minded and you know you've just got to kind of be prepared to make a bit of a change and yeah uh, i mean i'd say like with a little bit there's like an expression we might use like get over yourself right like uh it's a little bit like if you have this can if your if your belief is that oh like here in england or here in america they eat at like 5 or 6 p.m and that's just not as good as it is in spain then it's like okay why are you going there like why are you going there in the first place yeah so don't just go there to learn english go there to have the experience of what it's like to live like a local and you know the extra benefits of this beyond it being a much better experience much more uh, impactful experience on your life is that you're going to be much more likely to learn the language because you're going to be hanging out with locals yeah and and it's the people who are willing to step outside their comfort zone and and Mm -hmm. take the risk of eating dinner at 6 p.m uh (laughs) it's the bold the the mavericks who uh (laughs) live life on the edge and eat and eat dinner at 6 30 those are often the people who actually uh improve their english much more effectively as well (laughs) <laughs> because they're hanging around with native speakers and because they're willing to like you know take a sacrifice in their lifestyle as they might see it and they 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 learn to just get over themselves and uh live like the locals do without complaining about it too much then the result is that they learn better english because they're with the native speakers but also they've got this mm-hmm. the right kind of attitude uh which is that you know i'm not gonna uh just stay in with all my 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 friends from my country because it's comfortable i'm going to go out and be adventurous and the results are you know the rewards are that the english uh, improves and you also have experiences that you can remember and talk about later um, and lifelong friends maybe maybe other other things that kind of like stick with you over time yeah absolutely yeah absolutely um so you um have been doing the real life english podcast or you've been working is it just real life english is that the name of the the whole project real yeah life english. so the the whole project is real life english uh and actually like right now we're building an app called real life global our website is reallifeglobal.com so people kind of 
might confuse those two, but it's it's the same brand. Okay. Uh, the Real Life English Podcast is is the podcast that uh, you know our our podcast. Yeah. Okay. How long have you you been involved in the podcast? Uh, so it's it's almost um, I think probably five years ago we started it. So and I actually personally wasn't involved in it at the very beginning. We had another guy who was working with us, another American uh, named Trevor, who he did. I'm trying to think, maybe the first forty or so podcasts with Chad, um, and then he decided like he was moving back to America and everything, and he kind of decided to take a different direction with his life, and so he he left. Um, Chad took over hosting the podcast. And basically, he and Justin and I started doing it together. And then more recently, Chad has also decided like to focus on some other things. So I've kind of stepped up to host it for the last 10 podcasts now. Okay. All right. Um, do you have a favorite episode of your podcast? Is there, is there one that you, you'd like people to listen to if they haven't heard the podcast before? Well, I could uh, maybe suggest like a more recent one that might be a good place to dive in. Uh, it would be number 150. So we recently laid out our methodology for teaching English, which has come from the last five years that we've been building this project and meeting learners from all around the world. Uh, and we call it the Real Life Way. And so we actually did a podcast series of five podcasts that lay out the five steps of the Real Life Way. Um, actually, it's six podcasts because the, the 150 is an outline and then five episodes for the five steps. Mm-hmm. So I recommend listen to the the one number 150. And if you listen to our methodology, it's going to give you a really good idea about our teaching style. Um, and then another one I, I had thought of was number 141, which I actually was in Bali when we did it. And if anyone's ever been to Bali or seen a movie or pictures of Bali, there's like the houses aren't really like enclosed like they are in other parts of the world because it's always warm. And so I, I was sitting in this area that's, uh, that was like open with like a roof and recording the podcast with Chad and like suddenly it just starts torrential downpouring. And so like in the background of the podcast, you can just hear some rain in the background, which wow. is kind of a fun, uh, I don't know, twist on the podcast do it having to do with the location i was in at that moment yeah the the atmosphere the sound of the pouring rain in bali exactly yeah must have been amazing okay cool so i guess my listeners can check out episode 150 and 141 has doing Mm -hmm. this podcast uh well you've i guess you've been uh you've been involved for a while then yeah so has doing the podcast affected your life in any way almost definitely i think um one of the big things, and I'm sure you can you can uh, agree with this, is that just getting to connect with people who listen to it, because I feel like they really know me, and they like really know Justin and really know Chad, because we've done so many of these, and like we share so much about ourselves on there. And obviously, it's kind of like funny because the other way around, I don't know them at all because they've just been listening to me. But there is like this strong connection when when someone has been listening to our podcast for a while, and uh, more recently, I've actually gotten to teach some of our hardcore fans I've, I've taken on a couple of them as students so it's uh it's, it's really cool getting to connect with people like that or just reading their emails or um anything anything else like that so uh that's one of the things and i think just the other thing is when i was younger i was definitely very introverted i think until i started like learning languages and living abroad and everything which made me come out of my shell we would say kind of t- 
be a bit more extroverted and outgoing and definitely making content. So like making, making our podcasts and uh, doing videos like both on our channel on YouTube for real life English and for learn English with TV series uh, for both of those. I've, I've gotten a lot better at just kind of presenting and being able to speak and, and everything. So yeah. it's been very beneficial. Yeah. I'm sure you would agree. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I love it. It's, it's fantastic. Um, right. So now it's, now I'm going to ask you about learning languages because you speak uh, Spanish, Catalan, Portuguese, some German, bit of French. So it's, that's impressive. Uh, is Spanish your, your best one? Yeah, I'd say so because I studied it in college for three years. And then, you know, I lived in Mallorca for a year and total here. I've probably lived almost two years. So, uh, you know, I'm probably around three years and six months living in Chile as well. So about three and a half years in Spanish-speaking countries with that background. The thing with um, Catalan, French, Portuguese, and, well, all the other ones except for German and Spanish, I've just learned them on my own. I haven't taken really classes with any of them. So I don't have the same background of, like, grammar and structure. Like, for example, Catalan, I pretty much learned by listening to music. Like, I love Catalan music and uh, watching a TV. There was, like, one TV series I started watching that was, like, almost like a Catalan version of Friends. And then... um, the other thing was just talking to people every opportunity I got, which at first was like extremely awkward because, you know, it was like basically Spanish with like some Catalan words and more and more I got better just speaking Catalan without Spanish. So um, I but at the same time, I don't have the grammatical structural background. So I think I probably make more mistakes and especially with the, the written part of it. So just talking about Catalan then. So you really were just learning the language like by watching the TV show, listening to music, and just speaking to people, even though it was awkward. How did you manage to deal with the awkwardness of those situations? Because uh, that's really difficult for me. You know, I'm living in France, but I'm really awkward and shy in French. I mean, it's it's totally different. In English, I'm you know these days I'm really confident. I'm able to do comedy in it and stuff. And then I have to chat to someone in French, and I'm just reduced to being like a shy 14 year old again or something it's 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 unbelievable so how do you actually deal with the shyness of when you first can't really speak properly it's a good question i think a big part of it is just uh like for example with katzan i just like really fell in love with the language and the culture and everything so that really motivated me to improve and you know that motivation kind of like just pushed me through that awkwardness and everything and i think that's that's actually, you know, kind of, I was talking about the real life way. That's kind of like at the fundamentals of it. The, the core of it is kind of having that really deep passion, that deep motivation to, to learn and everything, which will push you through those awkward, uncomfortable, undesirable moments. Mm. Um, something else that I think helps a lot is being able to find people who are really understanding. So, uh, you know, I think a a kind of a way to cheat at doing this is to do a language exchange. So if you're living, if you're Spanish and you're living in England, um, there's tons of people in England who probably want to brush up on their Spanish. So it's like you can meet with someone like this and there's a fair trade. So that person is basically signing up to put up with your awkwardness speaking English because you're going to put up with their awkwardness speaking Spanish. Right. Okay. Yeah. Language exchange. Good tip. Any other little tips? 
before we uh, finish up because um i think we're nearly sort of reaching the end of our time but do you have any other little little nuggets of gold that you've pulled out of the colorado river um, <laughs> <laughs> um colorado any river. other any other little nuggets of gold uh, bits of advice perhaps do you have like one little trick or technique that you sometimes use for learning a language well i think uh i think like probably one of my main one of the main things I've seen really helps language learners succeed that it has helped me a lot is just being being like voraciously curious. So just always asking questions and always like wanting, just kind of cultivating that desire to know more. So, uh, you know, for example, if you listen to a song, you're going to, you're not just going to listen to it. You're going to look up the lyrics. You're going to want to understand the vocabulary, the phrasal verbs, the slang. Uh, if you're watching a TV series with subtitles or whatever, you're going to like maybe do it with a notepad this is what i usually do is with like evernote on my phone and i write down new words and i look them up later because you know you also don't want to always necessarily take out of your enjoyment um and obviously i think the big my biggest motivator is always just having friends who who speak spanish who speak catalan whatever like here most of my friends who i speak spanish with are non-natives so a lot, i think a lot of people they kind of are maybe repelled by the idea of speaking with anyone but a native but there are like so many advantages to speaking with a non-native because you're both in that awkward situation of being a learner, uh, you know. And there's a lot of ways that you can help each other out, and uh, there's a lot of other benefits to that. So I would say, you know, speak English with whoever will listen to you, be it a, a non-native, be it a native, um, and just that that curiosity, that that deep desire to always learn more is going to do that a lot, do a lot for you if you can cultivate that. Yeah, that's great. Thanks a lot for sharing your advice. And uh, it's really good to talk to you. It's good to talk to a fellow uh, English podcaster. Likewise. Yeah, it's been really good to, to, to meet you. And, uh, you know, thanks for talking to me on, on my podcast. And also thanks for inviting me onto the Real Life English podcast. That was fun. Thanks for uh, inviting me on here. It's great getting to talk to your audience a bit, getting to yeah. uh, rub my own ego a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah no but it's always interesting to find out you know about a person's story and and, and their background and things like that cool all right sure. well um i better go because um i've got to put put the dinner on you know i've got to get dinner ready it's, for it's late it's late for dinner for you uh, yeah i know yeah exactly i'm british <laughs> it's like i'm f it's 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 uh the sun's going down i need food um so yeah, i'm gonna go and cook and stuff like that um but good to talk Sounds to you though. i guess you're in, in in barcelona you're not you're not going to eat until about 11 p.m or something ridiculous well i'm earlier than that it is funny that you mentioned that because people here ask me all the time they're like so do you eat dinner at like five or six and i'm like no i i adjust to the schedule here i eat dinner <laughs> at like at nine probably nine yeah, thirty. right it's yeah. not I, 11 o'clock obviously is a bit of an exaggeration but uh i guess in that's sp- like weekend Oh, is Maybe it? dinner at 11 on the weekend. Yeah. I see. I see. Okay. Well, I remember going to Barcelona once and going to, is it Bocaria Market? Do you know that place? Yeah, the Bocaria. Yeah. We went there mm-hmm. and it'd been, we'd been advised to go there. We went there and there was this bar in the market with loads of people crowded around it. And in the middle, uh-huh. there was like guys like frying um, calamari squid so that uh, they were frying squid on this um like a hot plate and it mm-hmm. smelled incredible and um i remember we were queuing up for ages like there were lines of people it was like a massive crowd of people surrounding this thing this bar 
And then finally, we elbowed our way through and got a seat. And like, it was total chaos until we sat down. As soon as we sat down, all the other people were behind us. It's like, forget all of you. And we sat down and we had our fried calamari and it was amazing it's probably the best awesome. the best fried uh, calamari i've ever had it was absolutely fantastic and the and the weight uh, sort of helped to make it better somehow you just enjoy it even more when you've had well, to wait because you're like smelling it you get like hungry you start drooling yeah you see it being <laughs> served to other people you smell it you see it being cooked and oh and then you get a beer and and you have your calamari oh love it yeah, well, Fantastic. if you're ever in, uh, make it down to Barcelona, if you need some some sun and beach, maybe we can get some calamari. Yeah, that would be cool. That would absolutely <laughs> definitely be cool. All right. Well, uh, have a good evening. Take care and uh, speak to you Likewise. again, maybe sometime. Most definitely. Okay. Right there, you go. Then that was uh, my conversation with Ethan from Real Life English. Now then, let me just uh, summarise some of the advice that Ethan gave to us there about adapting to a new culture and learning uh, a language, okay? So starting with adapting to a new culture, it's important to arrive in the new place with an open mind and just be ready to try anything, which is really important. That that can be difficult when you're a bit older, I think. When you're, maybe it is for me, I think when you're younger, you tend to just naturally have that kind of like, okay, come on, let's go out and try new things. And when you're a bit older, you're like, no, I don't want to do new things anymore. I've, I'm fine. I've, I've, I, you know, I've, uh, I'm, we're closed. Sorry. You know, like if you want to have a new, ex, you know, when you're young, you're like, yes, okay, we're open. We're open for business. Let's go. And then when you're, um, when you're older, you're like, nope, sorry, we're closed. It's Sunday. No new, no time for new things. But it's important to to arrive in a new place and just sort of be ready and open to try things, even if you uh, aren't completely sure about them or or whatever. You you've got to try and uh, uh, absorb lots of experiences because that's going to help you. If you don't have lots of experiences, you're just going to stay inside your own little bubble, and you'll never. Uh, explore and see all the good things about the new culture the danger is that you'll only see weird things you'll just be observing this culture from a distance you've got to get up close and personal and have some really interesting experiences that will then allow you to uh, really enjoy yourself and feel like you're part of things so uh, have an open mind be ready to try anything don't just hang around with people from your country this is a really really common trap that people get stuck into. You've got to try and get out of your comfort zone. It's very easy to hang out with people from your own country. Uh, it's very easy to do that, but you've got to try and sort of throw yourself into some other experiences if you can. Uh, you have to make an effort to integrate into the country somehow. One phrase that uh, that sort of is pr- quite appropriate here is, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Now, you might not be going to Rome uh right you doesn't matter where you are but this this the phrase still stands up so for example like as i've said probably on the podcast before when i lived in japan uh there was a period where i struggled to adapt to the lifestyle in fact i kind of didn't look after myself and i got a bit unwell because i wasn't sort of able to deal with the climate the difference in temperature and stuff i learned to live as the japanese do and that means i started to uh, kind of copy certain uh, things about their uh, about their lifestyle like for example something very simple when getting on the train for a half an hour train journey 
and they don't have danger trains there by the way their trains are very nice and safe and clean um but when getting on the train i know i used to notice that all the japanese people would would fall asleep on the train and i think why are they all falling asleep what's going on and then i realized ah it's actually really healthy to have a little nap on the train and it helps you to just sort of like um um sort of what's the get some energy back it's a good just a good little moment for a rest so i learned that when i whenever i got on the train if I had a half an hour journey, I'd sit there and I'd close my eyes and I'd I'd have a little nap. Now, in some uh, cultures, like probably in England to an extent, uh, closing your eyes in public, even when you're just on a train, is it's a it's not that normal. I mean, people do it, of course, but it's not as normal as it is in Japan. In Japan, it seems to be really normal for you to just be able to close your eyes on the train and. You know, no one's going to judge you for it or anything. No one will think it's weird. It's also true in an office situation in some cases. I just found in Japan that I found that people could, uh, people would close their eyes and have a little nap and no one would, would question it. They wouldn't even think about it. Whereas in England, if you close your eyes and have a nap, then people are like, oh, look, he's having a nap. He's got his eyes closed. He's having a nap. You know, oh, you know, have you woken up yet? You know, all that sort of thing. So in Japan, I learned, close my eyes on the train, have a little nap, and it would help me sort of stay a bit fresher and, and I saved a bit of energy. I know it's just a, a, a kind of a quick, simple example, but there it is. So when you're in a new country, uh, do as the do as the Romans do. Do as the, the people do there. Notice the way that they live and, and kind of copy a little bit. But make an effort to integrate so don't just stay in your own little bubble either you've got to try and go out and sort of live your life in that in that country and mix with people things might be weird at the beginning but you will if you do go out of your comfort zone it might seem a bit strange and a bit uncomfortable um and you might feel shy and even ridiculous but you will end up having some really memorable experiences it's worth it just for the experiences that you can have. So get out there, integrate and do some weird things and um, you won't regret some of the experiences that you have. Push yourself to live like a local, even if at first you feel like the lifestyle isn't as good as it is in your country. That's a normal thing. You go to a new place, you think, oh, how do these people live like this? You know, how do they do this? Like, for example, in France, I came to France and I see people, well, what? I mean, it seems so normal now to me. It seems it seems so normal now, but at the beginning, what what's an example of that? Oh, what would it be? Um, I don't know. Buying bread every day. Okay, I know that might seem normal for you, but back home in England, I would buy bread every three days. I'd buy a big loaf of bread, you know, in a plastic bag from the supermarket every three days or something, and I'd just do it like that. But here in France, it's normal to just buy fresh bread every day. And at the beginning, I was like, I can't be bothered to go to the bag, the, the, uh, what do you call it? The bakery, the boulangerie. I can't be bothered every day. It's a real pain in the neck. But now I realize, ah, no, it's good because the best bread is the fresh bread here. And it's so nice. So, you know, do as the Romans do. Get over yourself. Just get out. Just get over yourself. Do you know what that means? That's a bit like, come on, don't be so sensitive and don't kind of, it's don't be arrogant don't think don't assume that your way of doing things is the best just get over yourself and uh get out there and get out of your comfort zone and and stop being judgmental about the other culture don't just go around 
uh, sorry, don't go just to learn English, all right, as well. If you're going to a place to learn English, don't go only to learn English. You need to go for the whole experience. And if you do that and, and go for a, a, an experience that you will remember, not just some functional thing of like learning English, but put yourself into it too. And if you do that, um, you'll probably learn English more effectively as a result as well. Um, what about Ethan's advice for learning English on your own? Let's just kind of um, consolidate that and kind of recap uh, that. So he said, watch a popular TV show with subtitles. Uh, we've talked about that before. We we all know that, don't we? Uh, how often do we actually do it? Um, why? If Some people know this, but they don't do it. Why not? It's probably because you started watching a show and you're like, oh, I don't like that show. Like you started watching it and then you kind of lost interest because you didn't really enjoy the show, right? Or you just don't know what to watch. It's really important to choose a show that you like. You have to be motivated to watch that show and just to enjoy it. And you put the subtitles on as well. Learning the language is not necessarily always going to be the main motivation. Your motivation might be, I just love, you know, I like, I really enjoy Ricky Gervais, for example. So I'm going to try and watch extras uh, because I just enjoy his comedy. Find a show that you like. You might need to search a little bit, but look for a show that you really enjoy. And and so, therefore, it should be a pleasure. It shouldn't just be uh, a bit of homework, you know. Um, listen to music and take the time to look up the lyrics to the songs that you're listening to. The lyrics are all easily available on, on the internet now. Just search for the lyrics and don't just enjoy the music, but actually analyse the lyrics as well. You might find that if you love those songs, that uh, you'll remember those lyrics more effectively. You could even sing the songs as well, actually produce the the the, the English that you're listening to. Um, Ethan said that he just talked to people, even though he was really awkward and shy, because he made lots of mistakes. So he was awkward and shy because he made lots of mistakes, but um, he just... Regardless of that, he just talked to people anyway. Um, and it's important uh, to break through that barrier of being shy. Like if you're in a situation where there are, let's say, English-speaking people around and you're like, oh, I should probably go and talk to those people, but I'm too shy and, you know, they're not going to like me. Don't be so negative. All right, stop doing that. Um, and don't assume that people won't like you. Um, if you're making an effort to speak their language, they will like you, okay? People find that to be very charming. So all you need to do is is just go in and just talk to people. Don't be ashamed. Don't make excuses for your English. Just do your best and try to be nice and friendly and be interested in the people that you're talking to and people will find it charming, okay? Um, motivation is really important. Ethan said that he fell in love with Catalan. And this gave him the motivation to push through the difficult moments and the awkwardness and the shyness. So build and nurture your motivation to learn a language. Realise how good it is for you to come out of your shell and remember that you can get over your barriers, your sort of shyness. You can get over those things if you really want to. And once you've made the first contact, once you've had the first awkward experience of trying to start a conversation or opening your mouth for the first time, once you've gone over that, then everything's much easier afterwards. And in fact, in my experience, if I'm in a situation where there are French people and I'm like, oh God, I'm going to speak French. Oh God, it's going to be embarrassing. And that's horrible. That, that, 
that experience of like waiting and like hiding and not saying anything that's the worst part that's as wor- that's as bad as it gets and i find that when i do pluck up the courage to talk to people and like okay come on let's do this and i start speaking french you actually get this kind of uh i wouldn't is it a rush you get a pleasant feeling you get a feeling of like satisfaction because you broke through your shyness and after a session of talking to people in French, even for a little bit, even just uh, like a five-minute exchange, after that, I usually feel, oh, such a relief. It's like, I did it. I didn't run away. I didn't hide. I actually did it. And you feel a lot happier and and more satisfied. It's really satisfying. Uh, so the worst thing is when you hide and you close your mouth and you don't say anything. That's as bad as it gets. So remember that. Open your mouth. You'll feel... You're going to feel great. You're going to feel totally great. Okay. Um, what else? What else? Um, um, find the right people to talk to. So it is a little bit, it does make you feel a bit shy when you're talking another language. Uh, but find people who are understanding and sympathetic to your situation. That might be, for example, someone who's learning a language too. Okay. So it, that's why doing a language exchange is quite a good idea. Because you're both in the same boat, essentially. A language exchange. That's where, for example, I don't know, if you're Spanish and you want to learn English, you need to find an English person or an English-speaking person who wants to learn Spanish. And you do half an hour of doing it in Spanish and you help them to speak Spanish. And then you do half an hour of doing it in English. And the cool thing there is that you're both in the same boat. And so naturally, if you find the right person... Naturally, they will um, they will be a lot more kind of understanding and patient and generous with you, and you can do the same thing in return. And it might be the beginning of a beautiful friendship mm, as well. Yeah. So find the right people to talk to. Do a language do a language ex- no do a language exchange because the other person will be much more likely to tolerate your errors. And they'll be willing to help you out because they're, you're doing the same thing for them. And by the way, if you're interested in, in, do, in setting up a language exchange, you can, you can do that using italki, by the way. You can find language partners in many countries because it's not just one-to-one lessons and, you know, like paid lessons and stuff. Also, if you sign up with italki, you can just explore their social network and you can hook up with um, people who are learning your language so check it out. There's, there are loads of people on italki. Don't forget, you can go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk uh, to get more information. We love more information, don't we? Um, and Ethan said, be voraciously curious. If you're voraciously curious, it means that you're really, 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 really curious. What does, Actually, what does voraciously mean? Um, I mean, you have a, a voracious appetite and you can be voraciously curious. Um, basically, if you're voracious, it means you want lots and lots and lots of stuff, like incredibly hungry. For example, Joseph Smith was a voracious book collector, meaning he was really like hungry for books, for collecting books, not to eat them, but just, just to have them. Um, and you can have a, a voracious appetite, meaning you've got a big appetite, you love eating. And you can be voraciously curious. So you should be voraciously curious. You need to cultivate the desire to do more in your language learning uh, life. If you're listening to music, 
Be curious about the lyrics. Check the lyrics and look them up. While you're watching TV, be curious about the English that you're seeing in the subtitles. Use a notepad or use an app like Evernote, which is what Ethan uses. Use Evernote on your phone and note down the vocabulary and look it up later. If you are, I don't know, if you're on the train, if you're on a train, even just a normal train and you're looking out the window and there are adverts in English... Be curious about the adverts. Just spend some time looking at the advert and just thinking, what's the English here? What's going on? Is that what's the grammar? What's what are the what's the uh, vocabulary? Why have they chosen to use that vocabulary and not other types of vocabulary? What's going on? Just be voraciously curious about the English that you see and hear, and practice by speaking to other non-native speakers of the language that you're learning. All right. Now there's. You know, this preconception that to learn English, you have to speak to native speakers, which may be true, but it doesn't mean that speaking to non-native speakers is um, is a waste of time. It's not. You can learn a hell of a lot and you can gain a hell of a lot by practicing your speaking with other non-native speakers of English. Okay, so don't turn your nose up at talking to non-native speakers. Uh, There's a lot to be gained from from that interaction. Because other learners of English are likely to be more sympathetic because you'll be you're sharing the same experience. They will probably have more in common with you. They might have some really good advice. You're going through a similar experience. Uh, they might have uh, learnt some things that you haven't learnt and they can sort of point those things out to you. Having peers, like a peer group with whom you can share your language learning experience is a really important thing. It's like a little support group around you. Okay, right. Now, I'm moving pretty quickly, but I'm going to go through some language that you heard in the first part of the conversation with Ethan. I I can't go through all of it, every single thing he said, but I'm going to pick out some bits of language that you heard, certainly in about, about the first half of the conversation. By the way, on the website... On the page for this episode, you'll see a little quiz, um, a little language quiz, like an interactive quiz that you can use to help test your English. So, um, you know, after you've listened to this, uh, you can go to the page and take the quiz and, you know, choose the right words and see if you can remember all the right, um, you know, bits of language that you that you heard. It can be a really good way of just refreshing your memory or just kind of getting the English into your head a little bit more. Uh, so check that out on the website. So let me go through some of the language. So you heard Ethan say, he mentioned uh, in the area where he lives in Barcelona, he talked about lots of refurbished buildings. Buildings, if buildings are refurbished, it means they've been made to look new again. So imagine you have some old buildings, like maybe old warehouses, on the edge of town and then someone buys those warehouses and they refurbish them so they make them look all nice and new again and then they could be used for accommodation or for like shopping areas or something like that refurbish to refurbish a building and you have refurbishments so there's lots of refurbishment going on and then you have refurbished buildings refurbished okay um redecorate i imagine redecorate would be when on the inside like to do some nice painting to put up some pictures on the walls that's redecorating refurbishing means kind of making the 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 buildings look new again um he also said you can see some random smokestacks and things sticking up so smokestacks are basically tall chimneys 
you know, like tall towers that with smoke coming out of the top. Smokestacks, okay? Okay. Um, next one was three blocks from the beach. So we're talking about measuring distance. Um, I live about three blocks from the beach. So that means uh, that's the distance between him and the beach. Uh, I live three blocks from the beach. I live, you know, you could just insert anything else in there. I live five minutes from the beach. I live 10 minutes from the centre of town, right? I live, you know, 20 minutes from the station. Blah, you know, number thing from the thing. Three minutes from the station, for example, okay? Um, All right. Uh, I tend to go running there. I tend to go running there which means that I usually go running there. I tend to go. I usually go. And tend to is the right form there to use to talk about sort of habits, you know, things you usually do in the present. And not, you shouldn't say, I am used to, I am used to, to running there, right? It's not, I am used to running there. It's, I tend to go running there. Um, all right. I used to go running there is in the past and I am used to going running there means that uh, it means it's easy for me to go running there. I am accustomed to running there. But anyway, if you do something as a habit, you can say tend to. I tend to go ro- uh, rolling. No, I tend to go running there. Yes. Um, he said the weather hasn't really been beach appropriate. Be beach. That's obviously where the land meets the sea, the beach. It's important to get the long sound there. E, beach. Get that right. Don't say bitch. Okay. All right. Good. Because uh, otherwise, the weather hasn't been bitch appropriate. What is what is bitch appropriate weather? I don't know. Of course, Ethan didn't say that, but he said beach, beach appropriate. Beach appropriate. Good. Bitch appropriate. No idea what that is. Um, next one is we're just rolling into fall. We're just rolling into fall here. Fall is uh, autumn in American English. They they say fall for, and we say autumn. Uh, and to roll into something basically means to enter something. We're just rolling into fall. So at the time I recorded this conversation, it was just the beginning of autumn. So we're just entering autumn or we're just rolling into fall. Um, he said, I enjoy running by the beach, especially because the whole area around the beach is very iconic from when they had the Olympics here. So iconic, it's a nice word. Iconic just means it's impressive because it's a famous symbol of something. For example, the Eiffel Tower is the is iconic. You know, it's so iconic. It's this, this symbol of France. Or Big Ben is so iconic, you know, as a symbol of, of uh, London. Um, all right, next one. Uh, a modernist, humongous whale structure. So uh, I guess this is like a statue or something, a big statue of a whale. You know, those big mammals that live in the sea, Um, a whale. So a modernist, humongous whale structure. I I think it's probably, technically, it should be a humongous modernist whale structure. I think that's probably normally the order of adjectives. Uh, Size first and then style after. A humongous modernist whale structure. Anyway, modernist, we know it's like, you know, modern in style. Uh, Humongous just means massive, vast, you know, enormous, gigantic, uh, ginormous, uh, or humongous, meaning very, very big. Okay. 
He said, every time I look at it, I'm just astounded. It's beautiful. So if you are astounded, you're amazed or astonished, like, wow, look at that. It's a humongous modernist whale structure. That's astonishing. That's astounding. I'm astounded. Okay, amazed. Then we had some language for describing Ethan's background. And remember, for his for when you're talking about your background, we usually would use narrative tenses like past simple, past continuous, maybe a bit of past perfect. And we, we've got some more stuff on this later, but here are a few examples. I moved back here uh, two months ago. I moved back here two months ago. He actually says, I moved back here already two months ago. Normally, we don't use already with... Um, with the past simple like that normally already is present perfect right i've already moved back here but here he said i moved back here already two months ago now any when you look in grammar books right um you see that it's you know it says you always use already with uh, present perfect or you don't usually use already with past simple for example and you get these rules in grammar books but then sometimes you hear native speakers sort of breaking the rules now it could be just because you know when we're constructing sentences sometimes they come out in a slightly um haphazard way like you might start a sentence in one tense and then finish the sentence in another tense it's just sometimes the way that the the language comes out it's probably the same with your language you you might not speak absolutely accurately and perfectly all the time especially when you're sort of making it up as the, as you go along like constructing the 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 sentences as you say them. So sometimes, you know, little words slip in and out, but normally we don't have already with past simple. So uh, I would say I moved back here two months ago, not I moved back back here already two months ago, but, you know, just splitting hairs there, really. I was living here two times before, once for a year and a half and once for three months. And normally I would use, I lived uh, here two times before, once for a year and a half and once for three months but you know perhaps he was thinking of it as they was think he was thinking of them as temporary things i was living here fine um ways he talks about his current situation was basically present perfect like i've come back to stay i've come back to stay now so like i lived there i did that i moved back here for a while i was living here before and now i've come back i've I've come back to stay probably indefinitely, hopefully for a couple of years. So describing your background and your current situation. Describing your background. Let me just clarify this again. I've been through tenses before in this podcast. You can probably check out the episode archive for more stuff on narrative tenses, but it's always worth mentioning it again. You need to use narrative tenses to describe your background story. Okay. And you, as a speaker of English, you need to learn how to do this in English. Do you have your background story? You know, have you got it memorized? Like if someone says, "All oh, right, you know, where are you from?" Or if someone, "How did you how did you end up doing that?" Then you need to say, "Oh, well, you know, well I I did this at university and then after university I went to there and then that, you know, after that I thought, "Well, I don't know what to do, so I I did this and then I ended up doing that and then that led me to do this and then in the end here I am and I've been here now for 5 years." You know, everyone needs everyone needs to be able to explain their story. So it might be worth thinking of how you can make your background story uh you know, how you can put it into English and possibly even make it quite interesting or entertaining or at least say how you felt about what happened in each case um 
that helps in social situations. Um, okay. I mean, for example, I went to university in Liverpool. I studied media and cultural studies. So that's what I did at, at university. And then you can say how it felt. It's important to, you know, tell people how it was for you. It was really, it was a really interesting degree, but it wasn't very useful, to be honest. Then I stayed in Liverpool for a while and I played music in a band and we didn't make it. The band broke up and I left Liverpool and I moved back in with my parents, which was a bit of a nightmare. Oh, it was a nightmare moving in with my parents. You know what it's like, you see. So you're not just saying what you did, but you're also interpreting what you did and saying a little bit about how you felt. Not too much. Not like, oh, you know, I I was suicidal. No, too much information. You just say, oh, it was a real nightmare. You know what it's like when you live when you move back in with your parents. I mean, they're lovely. They were really nice. But, you know, um, I was a bit old to be living with my parents at the time. So I thought, you know, I really want to, you know, do my own thing. Um, so uh, I really didn't know what to do with myself for a while. But I decided that I wanted to travel and go somewhere quite different. And I'd always been curious about teaching. So I trained to be an English teacher and I got my first job in Japan. I stayed there for a couple of years, had a great time. It was amazing. But I decided that I wanted to come back because of uh, family reasons. I taught English in London for eight years. I did my Delta. I got a job in a good school in London. And then I met a French girl and I moved to France so that we could be together. I'm very romantic. Um, Now, actually, most of that was past simple, if you noticed. I did this. I stayed there. I studied. I was. I played. I didn't make it. I left. I moved. I was. I didn't know what to do. I decided. I wanted. I trained, I got, I stayed, all that stuff. But in the middle, there was also a past perfect. Did you notice it? It's this bit. It goes, um, I decided I wanted to travel and go somewhere quite different. And I'd always been curious about teaching. Meaning up until the point when I decided I'd travel, I had been curious up to that point. Anyway, all right. Little review there of some uh, past tenses. And for describing your current position, your current situation... Um, we do this with present, uh, present simple for permanent situations. I live in France, you know, present simple, permanent situation. I, I work as an English teacher, permanent, and present continuous for temporary situations, like I'm working at the British Council at the moment. Hopefully that's not a temporary situation, actually. And present perfect tense to talk about past actions with a connection to now. For example... See if you can notice the tenses. I live in Paris these days. Present simple. I've been here for about five years. Present perfect. Simple. I've worked for a few different schools teaching English. Present perfect. Simple. These days I teach at the British Council. Present simple. Permanent. I've been there. I've been there for about three years now. Present perfect. Simple. Sound like Roger Moore. Present perfect. Simple. I'm also developing some online courses. Um, I'm also developing present continuous for a temporary situation. I'm also developing some online courses, which I hope to release on my website before too long. Huh. Okay. Let's carry on with the things that Ethan said. Um, so he said, I'm from Colorado in the USA. And my response was, oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. I said cool because you should say cool when someone tells you where they're from. Or at least you should show some interest or curiosity. You should be at least positive about it, right? You should. It's nice. It's good social English. 
are like, oh, where are you from? Where are you from? Oh, I'm from, uh, you know, where are you from? I'm from Portugal. Oh, cool. Good. Or where are you from? I'm from, you know, I'm from India. Oh, wow. Awesome. Good. Where are you from? I'm from, uh, I don't know. I'm from uh, Mongolia. Oh, really? Wow, that's amazing. I've never met anyone from Mongolia before. Wow, which part of Mongolia? Enthusiasm, right? What you shouldn't do is go, where are you from? I'm from Leicester. Oh, don't do that. Where are you from? I'm from, you know, even somewhere amazing, like I'm from Timbuktu. Okay. No, you've got to show some positive thing when someone tells you where they're from. Where are you from? I'm from uh, Azerbaijan. Oh, really? Cool. Okay. Um, what else? What else? What else? So he said, um, uh, it's so position, location. Um, I was talking about where Colorado is. He said, where's Colorado, Luke? And I said, well, it's below Canada and above Mexico and between the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans, which is uh, my non-specific description of where Colorado is. Basically, it's somewhere in the USA. L- lol. Lol. Did I just say lol? I did. Um, so anyway, below Canada to the south of Canada, above Mexico to the north of Mexico, between the the thing and the thing, right? I mean, you know these basic uh, uh, expressions for, for, for location and place. But how about this one? Uh, or these ones? It's to the northeast of Arizona. It's to the east of Utah. All right? So to the east of and... Uh, you can you can also say it's northeast of Arizona or it's to the northeast of Arizona. It's east of Utah. It's to the east of Utah. All right. What's the difference? Well, okay. All right. Listen to this. What's the difference between these things? It's east of London. It's to the east of London. And it's in the east of London. What's the difference? Well, it's east of London means it's not in London. It's sort of next to London on the east side. Okay. That's it's east of London. Where's Essex? Oh, it's just east of London. It's to the east of London is the same thing. It's not in London. It's just on the east side. So where's Essex? Oh, it's just to the east of London. And then it's in the east of London. Yeah. Yes, that's right. You got it. It means it's in London and it's on the eastern part. So where is Shoreditch? It's just in the east of London. All right. Fine. Um, Okie dokie. Um, he said, um, uh, it's a tourist trap. It's a tourist trap. So he was talking about a place near where his hometown is, a place where Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico all meet. It's like a corner of four states. They call it the Four Corners. It's just a couple of hours away from where he grew up. And it's a tourist trap. A tourist trap is a place that attracts tourists and it's probably best avoided. You probably should avoid it because it's just all the usual touristy stuff. It's probably very crowded. Touristy things, gift shops and stuff. Uh, don't go there. Like, for example, Oxford Circus in London. I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's a bit of a tourist trap. It's probably best avoided because it's too crowded. Oxford Circus. Don't go there, folks. Totally terrible. Don't go to Oxford Circus, folks. They've got the worst. They have the worst tourist areas i don't know why am i doing that trump impression i don't know um what else um he said it's interesting to see that when you've lived in a place for 20 years it's interesting to see how it evolves so obviously evolves hey you know that one don't you 
how something evolves, meaning how it changes gradually over time. Yeah, all right. Uh, he said, Colorado is wonderful. It's spectacular. Uh, we're so active there. We're always outdoors. There are always, uh, th- uh, there are spectacular hikes that you can do. Spectacular, meaning magnificent, amazing, breathtaking, really nice to look at. Uh, mountains and things, they're spectacular. He said there are 4,000 or 5,000 meter peaks. A peak is obviously the top of a mountain, the summit or the top of a mountain, a mountain peak. Um, are you getting these, folks? Are you getting these? Because I'm saying the words, you know, as I'm saying them, just think to yourself, oh, yeah, do I know that one? Yeah, I think I know that one. Do I know it? Oh, I don't know that one. Like, test yourself, and then when I give the uh, the definition, you can you can be like, yeah, right, I was right. Yes, fine, no problem, I got that one too. Or like, oh, no, I didn't get that one. Oh, oh, there's a new word. Oh, I didn't know that. Then if that's the case, go to the website and check it out and test yourself. Um, he said, it's very different to Europe because you get that kind of Old West feeling. So the Old West, this basically is referring to the period um, of western expansion okay the old west we also have the wild west don't we and that's basically the same thing the old west but the wild west suggests cowboys and lawlessness and you ain't from around here are you you talk too much you know like cowboy movies that's the wild west um yeah okay next thing uh my only criticism is he said this my only criticism is that i lived there for 20 years which is more than enough so my only criticism is just a nice way to start a sentence with something negative in it. Like my only, uh, I really enjoyed it. It was amazing. My only criticism is that it was uh, a bit long. What, the episode of Luke's English Podcast? Yes, exactly. Oh, bollocks. Um, oh, shit. I've just realized this is far too long. Luke, come on, get a grip. Okay, uh, I'm going to go through it really quickly. He said, um, it's more than enough. If something's more than enough, it means it's too much. Okay, like, for example, I like this episode, but, you know, uh, 13 hours is, you know, it's more than enough, really, isn't it? Meaning it's too much. Um, Grizzly. I've never seen a grizzly and they are dangerous. A grizzly is a grizzly bear. Um, And I think, you know, I think that's enough. I think I'm going to have to leave it there because I think this is far too much, actually. Oh, God, what am I going to do? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to stop speaking, and I'm going to suggest that you check out the website where you can see um, just the remaining few bits of language that I was planning to go through here, and use that quiz to test yourself. Okay, fine, I'll stop. Thank you so much for listening to Luke's English Podcast. I hope that you've had a a good commute on your train, and that, um, you know, that it's been a calm journey. And if you're not in transport then you know i hope that you've also been enjoying um being motionless um as well sitting in a chair for example oh it must be lovely for you thanks so much for listening speak to you again on the podcast soon but for now it's time to say goodbye bye 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 thanks for listening to luke's english podcast for more information visit teacherluke.co.uk catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. 
Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humor and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.